My kids love their snacks just like everyone else, but I'm really picky about what they eat. And if it's going to be something in a package, I want it to be healthy, high quality, and something that's not going to break the bank. I recently discovered Thrive Market and they check all the boxes. My kids are loving the seaweed snacks, cinnamon applesauce, and the skinny dip dark chocolate almonds. What I love most about Thrive Market is that everything is organic and non-GMO, and it's more affordable than what you'll find in the stores. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com slash food issues. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a low-income family. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com slash food issues. This is Food Issues. In every episode, we bring you experts to tackle the real challenges around feeding kids and offer practical insights to help organizations, communities, and parents create change. I'm your host, Julie Revelon. In recent years, there's been a ton of research about the microbiome and gut health and a growing interest in probiotics for kids. Yet what our kids eat is really the foundation of a strong immune system. They really need to start right away by making sure that their gut bacteria and gut health and diet is as healthy as possible. That's Dr. William Lee, a physician, scientist, and author of the New York Times bestseller, Eat to Beat Disease. We'll talk about how the habits of COVID may affect our kids' immune systems ways to boost your kids' gut health, the best foods to focus on, and if probiotics are a good idea. There's so much advice and easy, realistic tips in this episode, and I know you're going to love this interview with Dr. Lee. Well, Dr. Lee, it is so great to have you on the Food Issues Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Julie. It's a pleasure. Great. So we hear a lot about gut health these days. And for listeners who don't know, can you explain what exactly the microbiome is and why it's important for all of us and our children? Right. Well, we've always known that our gut has to be healthy because no matter who you are and where you live, you've always had that kind of uncomfortable gut, that kind of tummy feeling. And uh, now we have an explanation for what it is because we used to think ah, it's gas or you know maybe you have a little stomach bug but we now know that in fact you don't have just a stomach bug we've got 39 trillion stomach bugs and these stomach bugs are actually mostly healthy uh, and that's what we call the gut microbiome it's a it's an ecosystem that actually lives inside our body and in fact there's just about the same number of bacteria as there are human cells so um, we as humans are not actually quite human. We're about 50% bacteria, healthy bacteria, and 50% uh, humans. And that, and most of the healthy bacteria actually uh, live inside our gut, although some of it is also uh, on our skin, in our mucous membranes as well. And that healthy bacteria uh, is much more important than we ever suspected it might be because it controls um, our immune system, it controls our emotions, our, our, our brain function, our cognitive function, our hormones, and our, even our ability to heal. Okay, great. And so what does the microbiome have to do with immunity? Well, researchers actually have been making two discoveries at the same time that link our gut microbiome in our immune systems. And both of these are, you know, uh, uh, modern uh, revelations uh, when it comes to medicine. So as we have um, uh, made this discovery uh, that that the gut microbiome uh, is uh, trillions of bacteria that live in the, uh, on the inside the lining uh, of the gut, we started to also discover in parallel that about seventy percent of our immune system also lives in the gut. Now our immune system is a really complex group of cells and proteins. The cells are the important ones. Think of them as a whole army of super soldiers, and each soldier is trained to do something different with different weapons. And when I went to medical school, for example, we were always taught, you know, um, learning about the immune system that, you know, the immune system is like in your bone marrow and it's in your thymus and your spleen um, and in our bloodstream. 
but it turns out that 70% of our immune system actually lives inside our gut. And by that, I mean your, our immune system is found, all the, these cells are found like the jelly in a jelly roll inside the thickness of the layer of the gut. And then on the inside of the gut is the bacteria. So think about it like um, a garden hose and inside the center of the garden hose is the bacteria lining the in, inner walls of the garden hose. And inside the walls of the garden hose, if you were to cut the garden hose in half, is our immune system. And what, what happens is that the, the microbiome, the gut bacteria, actually can talk to our immune system through the wall of the garden hose. And another analogy I sometimes give talking about microbiome and immunity is think about, you know, the, the old college roommates that live next door to each other uh, in two separate rooms separated by a really thin wall. Mm-hmm. And so one roommate basically says, hey, what do you want on your pizza tonight? <laughs> and, and just screams it through the wall, pounds on the wall. And, and, the, and the other roommate on the other side says, well, I'll have pepperoni or I'll have, I'll have green peppers. And that's basically how um, the um, microbiome talks to our immune system. And then on top of that, um, the microbiome uh, actually is able to send signals, pass messages, text messages to the immune system that give them instructions on what to do and when to do it. Okay, great. So in the last few months or so, there's been a ton of research that's come out suggesting that the association between gut health and COVID-19, including the risk for getting COVID and also severity. And so what are there any insights that you have about this research in general and then also for kids? Wow, that's a big question and a very (laughs) important one. Um, uh, Look, we know that if if we have a healthy gut microbiome and we're still defining what healthy means, right? I mean, obviously if we're, if we're able to get through our day without feeling our stomachs upset, our, our gut upset, um, we probably have a decent functioning microbiome. But what we do know is that some of these bacteria can create toxins and those toxins can weaken the walls of our intestines. I mean, they, they sort of like are like acid, they just kind of dissolve it. And it can cause a leaky gut. And a leaky gut means that stuff inside your gut leak into the outside. And it causes all kinds of inflammation and irritation. <clears throat> we also know that um, a, uh, a problem gut back uh, microbiome is kind of like a good neighborhood that actually where you have a whole bunch of bad neighbors move in. And just like, you know, that old saying, there goes the neighborhood, the more bad characters kind of set up shop in the ecosystem of your gut microbiome, the more bad things can actually happen. Just like if you had, you know, kind of like hoodlums come, moving into your neighborhood, there's someone's going to be setting up that, you know, that crack house kind of thing. <laughs> right. And, and when the um, bad bacteria start to make those harmful substances, some of those substances are actually inflammatory. So they actually set up uh, inflammation. Now, why does that matter? for um, COVID or other diseases, frankly, and, and why do we think it might be connected to COVID? Well, um, it turns out that COVID is a whole body infection caused by a respiratory infection uh, virus, which we breathe in. And so I've been working as a researcher in the COVID space since you know the spring of 2020. And what we do know is that you breathe in this respiratory uh, virus, it sets up in your lungs, but then it can get everywhere in your body. And how does it do this? Well, it actually can hitch onto, the virus can hitch onto your blood vessels and from your blood vessels, which you know are 60,000 mile channel that go everywhere, it can actually get into your um, intestines, your heart, your lung, your brain, um, everywhere. Now, we also know that when you breathe in viruses, uh, uh, you can also swallow it, which then introduces uh, the virus into your gut from the inside out. And we do know that the COVID bacteria can bind to receptors. These are basically like catcher's mitts of our of different cells. And um, the cells of our gut are called enterocytes, E-N-T-E-R-O. These enterocytes actually love to catch coronavirus. And so um, this has been relatively new discovery. We now know that, that the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 can actually infect our gut. Even if we swallow the virus, it can actually infect it now. So what's actually happening? Virus causes inflammation. Your immune system gets kicked up. Oh, it's right in the gut where the immune system is. And the immune system is supposed to do its job to be able to get rid of viruses. But what happens 
if there's too much inflammation. And this is where we're in this kind of gray zone where we're trying to still do the CSI, the crime scene investigation. We're still trying to put the pieces together. We don't understand yet what is actually happening, but we believe that the presence of the coronavirus plus a bad neighborhood um, uh, of their microbiome, kind of like the the dysbiotic is what we call it, um, uh, microbiome that isn't quite right, that is the perfect storm for inflammation. And when you actually have an immune system that is tending towards inflammation, a gut microbiome that is fueling that inflammation, like pouring gasoline onto a campfire, and you've got a virus that is really aggressive, trying to stoke inflammation, that's what we believe is happening when you've got an abnormal microbiome that's pro-inflammatory with COVID. You get worse inflammation. And that was the discovery that was made actually a few months ago um, by researchers looking at 100 patients who had COVID. And they were people, this was a study out of Hong Kong, where they looked at people who had mostly mildish COVID, to be honest with you. Um, only a few of them needed to be on a ventilator. Most of them were in the hospital for you know a, a less than two weeks. And they went home. Uh, but they were able to look at their microbiome by looking at their poop, which is how we measure the microbiome uh, and can see who the what kind of players there are. And they measured um, uh, in, infl- inflammation markers in their bloodstream. And what was found was those people who had an abnormal microbiome neighborhood ecosystem, bad bacteria, an ecosystem happened to be the people who also had more severe disease. So that's the link. Okay. But we don't know exactly if it's cause, effect, or association. So, um, you know, that's where the kind of the crime scene is still being picked over. So suffice to say, I would say that most Americans don't have strong gut health, right? Would you agree with that? Well, here's what we do know is okay. that we know that eating, um, uh, that, that good, healthy dietary patterns lead to good, healthy gut bacteria. This is happen throughout evolution. So, you know, from the time we were still dragging our knuckles to the time we, you know, um, turned into an agricultural uh, society and a post-agricultural society, we know that people who eat more plant-based foods um, and less red meat um, uh, uh, had better gut bacteria. Part Why? Because partly the gut bacteria, they love plant fiber. So when we eat a plant, um, a vegetable, uh, broccoli, strawberries, blueberries, um, even drink green tea, which comes from a plant. Uh, we are we are having a lot of um, uh, plant-based substances, including dietary fibers, like mushrooms, a great source of dietary fiber. Celery, if you eat the whole celery, you're you're really feeding a lot of fiber to that gut bacteria. You're, we're actually feeding our bacteria. It's like if you had a dog at home and you're putting the the kibble in the bowl at night. That's basically what happens when we actually have our um, have plant-based foods. Our gut bacteria thank us for it. We are feeding them dinner, so to speak. Um, and the way they thank us is actually by, you know, um, treating our immune system nicely and doing their job, which is to keep our immune system groomed, ready to rock when we need to, but not overacting. And so a good neighborhood is is well fed. Now, what happens is that we know that uh, in many Western societies, especially the what we call the typical Western diet, which, you know, perhaps of the American diet, at least it used to be uh, sort of the prototypical Western diet fast food, junk food, ultra-processed food, fried food, saturated fats, um, artificial preservatives, uh, you you know, the list goes on, right? Like, I don't have to rehearse everything, but that's the stuff that we already been beaten over the head, bludgeoned over the head with the message, don't do that. It's not good for you. And now we have another reason. It doesn't, it treats our bacteria badly. When our bacteria are harmed or injured, um, uh, then our immune systems uh, injured, which puts us at greater risk for all kinds of diseases, not only COVID. Okay, so there is no cause and effect here. We're not entirely sure if the high rates of COVID in the U.S. are ex- exactly correlated to poor diet and bad gut and low immunity, right? Well, I will. I will tell you that it's probably multifactorial. Okay, I, mean, I think that the high rates of COVID in the U.S. have to do with the large population of the U.S and the um, very different types of behavior patterns and policies that have been put in place, um, uh, which uh, plus now we're, we're adding more uh, uh, confounders into the, uh, um, uh, into the mixing bowl uh, 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 with these variants that are coming in as well. Right. So 
I think that, you know, we're dealing with a population human behavior issue with a population um, as a size issue, plus now variants that are sort of mixing up the salad bowl in a big way. However, um, I do think that if you look at um, countries that actually have um, better uh, diets, people there tend to have better immune systems overall. And, and so take a look at, um, uh, you know, Asian societies that have mostly uh, rural Asian populations that tend to mostly plant-based foods, um, you know, their immune systems just generally tend to be better than in, in America and, and in Europe, frankly. Um, so I think that COVID is really important. It's a, you know, it's really called to the surface everything we need to do to uh, be preventative, to protect ourselves. Our immune system now is like front and center, um, you know, uh, and our bi- microbiome is also rising into focus. But I would tell you that a good gut microbiome not only protects us against infection, but lowers the risk of cardiovascular disease by helping our um, cholesterol uh, normalize. It also helps to uh, streamline our metabolism. So we have less of a chance of developing diabetes and the consequences of diabetes. Um, It also uh, actually seems to help emotional health as well. Mm -hmm. Some gut bacteria actually send a signal to the brain, like it text messages the brain and says, hey, release a social hormone called oxytocin. And oxytocin is a feel-good hormone. It's the hormone that actually your your brain releases when you see a good friend, you give a good, you get a hug or get a kiss. It's also the hormone uh, that's released um, uh, during orgasm. So it's really an important uh, uh, emotional um, uh, uh, hormone that that the healthy gut microbiome uh, is is responsible for. And we're beginning to discover, uh, Julie, that dysbiosis or abnormal uh, gut microbiomes associated with um, surprising conditions um, like schizophrenia, autism, and other neurodevelopmental disorders, and including dementia. And so I think that we have every reason, um, uh, COVID and beyond, to try to get our gut to be as healthy as possible. Okay. So talking about our kids, what does research tell us about their gut health today and and how diet and lifestyle has affected it? So do our kids come into this world with strong gut? Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I mean, it's it's a it's a question that every parent or expectant parent really should be asking. And it's a question we can ask ourselves. Right. I mean, like uh, we don't uh, uh, we don't determine how we're brought into the world. We're 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 born. And it turns out that when it comes to the microbiome, what ha- the microbiome that we get when we're born comes from our moms and what our mom eats. And so the mom's diet affects the, um, her microbiome, but it also affects the baby's microbiome, the fetus's microbiome, the developing um, uh, uh, a child. And it turns out that the mom's microbiome transfers, at least in part, specific organisms kind of, you know, bean themselves, so to speak, because we don't know exactly how they do it yet, from the mom's gut through the placenta, through the amniotic fluid, into the baby's gut itself, where these bacteria kind of attach and uh, and, and, uh, uh, start their own garden. So somehow there's this seed transplant of good, healthy bacteria from mom to baby. If the mom's gut is not healthy, she's not able to transfer all the good guys to the baby either. When the baby's born, in part, they're missing some good stuff. So um, our fates were determined by mom long before we, you know, uh, could speak to her to ask her to help us out, number one. So that's why every expectant mom should really talk to their um, uh, obstetrician about like what she can eat to optimize her microbiome. And by the way, the answer is, is pretty much um, uh, eat mostly plant-based foods, stay away from things that can harm our microbiome. Some of the big offenders include artificial sweeteners. So um, we can come back to that in a second. The second way, way that kids come into the world um, that builds their microbiome is by breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So here's an um, absolutely stunning piece of research that um, uh, has been done Turns out around eight months or so into pregnancy, right? Pregnancy is nine months, but around eight months, about a month before baby's about to born, um, the uterus sends a signal to the mom's colon. So the uterus basically text messages the mom's colon 
and says, hey, we got about a month left. Um, you want to start um, uh, getting ready? So what does the colon do? The colon sends bacteria, specific healthy bacteria called lactobacilli. There's, there's a trillion of these bacteria. We're just scratching the surface, but we know lactobacillus is one of these healthy gut bacteria. Um, they get kind of woken up, um, and then they um, uh, somehow they uh, um, call the blood cells. Uh, these are called uh, neutrophils, and so they're, they're blood cells. And it's kind of like an Uber. They, they call up the, the, the Uber, the cell, the swing by the colon. They get into the neutrophil, the Uber, and then the Uber cell drives them to the breast where they get out. And the bacteria from the gut get out around the breast and they crawl over by the nipple. It's wow, amazing, right? that is it's amazing. So mind-blowing. Now what happens is that they set up a house there for about a month, right? And then when the baby's born, what happens? The baby goes up to the nipple and suckles and gets milk, but they're also getting an injection of this lactobacillus, which then floods their gut, and that lactobacillus can then set up shop in the baby as well. So some bacteria comes from the mom during they're in the uterus, in a womb. Some bacteria get injected down the baby's gut uh, during breastfeeding. And by the way, what's the other thing that, that's happening um, uh, after you're born, right? Like we now know it's called skin time. So any uh, anybody who's been in a delivery suite knows that when the baby comes out, you know, in addition to, you know, the incredible bonding that babies and moms need to do and that moms really love, and it's very important, is that babies are laid naked on mom's chest. And so mm-hmm. the baby's kind of sitting there with their mouth opening and closing, right, looking for the nipple. What's happening? Skin bacteria from the mom, which are healthy, crawl into the baby's mouth as well and also get down into the gut and also colonize a baby's skin. Now the baby's sucking on uh, uh, his or her thumb or fingers and eating some of that bacteria. So, um, you know, we used to think about keeping babies absolutely pristine and clean, you know, shiny right. and, and, and germ-free. No, no, we actually want good germs to get all over this baby and inside the baby. Right. And doesn't vaginal birth also transfer good bacteria to babies as well? That's right. So, um, so that, that's been known for a long time. And that is like more than 20 years of basically when you're, um, doing vaginal birth versus C-section, um, during vaginal birth, you know, the baby is being born head first. Okay. And a baby's head is pretty big, like, like, like a melon, uh, like a small melon that has to squeeze through the birth canal. Birth canal is pretty small. Uh, and so during that squeeze, it's kind of like, um, you know, um, uh, I think somebody uh, used to, um, when I was in med school, uh, one of our professors did this. They, they basically said, it's like if you took a, um, a balloon and you open, stretched it open mm-hmm. and you try to put your fist inside the balloon, that's yeah. like what giving birth is like. Right. Um, and what's happening is that uh, that squeezing part where the head is squeezing through is picking up a lot of healthy bacteria that lives in the birth canal. So the vaginal canal is packed with healthy bacteria. Now, why do we know it's healthy bacteria? Well, if it wasn't healthy bacteria, you'd actually have yeast infections and worse all the time. Right. So so um, vagina is actually uh, kind of like a natural, uh, uh, naturally kept clean with healthy bacteria. The baby picks some of that up. It goes through, you know, on the eyelids. It goes through the, uh, uh, the, the nostrils, into the uh, ears, the holes, into the mouth, um, uh, into the belly button, right? Everything kind of like, or belly button's not formed yet, but basically all throughout all the chan- orifices and, um, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and coats the baby with healthy bacteria. Another way that healthy bacteria. So we are already, the first thing we feed our children at birth is bacteria. That's great. So when kids are little and they start solid foods and, you know, a lot of kids are eating a lot of processed foods, um, What's his, what role does nutrition play in gut health? And would you say that kids today are, are, are faring worse because of what we are feeding them? Um, you know, I mean, I think that as humans, we are undergoing an evolution and our gut bacteria are also evolving after decades now of industrialized processed food. So, you know, I think that we are you know, humans are doing a gigantic experiment <laughs> to themselves mm-hmm. with all the, uh, 
processed stuff we're eating, right? So <clears throat> look, um, the, the traditional teaching was when a baby's born, just have, you know, uh, breastfeeding for as long as possible. The baby will wean themselves when they're ready and then you feed them. And then, you know, for decades, people were feeding baby food and baby food is very uniform and jarred and by the way, pasteurized to prevent any bad bacteria from getting in there. Um, but the reality is that, you know, baby food may not be the best thing for the baby. I mean, it, it's nourishment for sure. Um, and hopefully it doesn't have any additives and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, what babies really need is really the same stuff that grownups need. They need fiber, which is a prebiotic, to feed that healthy bacteria that was in the baby's gut, you know, while they were in the womb <clears throat> that the mom introduced in through uh, childbirth. You know, one thing we that I think is important to, to, to say that I, I forgot to mention is that if you're born by C-section, we know that you're missing kids born by C-section don't have as good healthy gut as ones born vaginally. That's how we know how important this vaginal birth can be. Now, sometimes you have to be born by C-section for lots of reasons, medical reasons, for safety reasons. And, and that's another reason why in like today's world, um, I think uh, pediatricians are mo much more mindful uh, in people, kids that are born with C-section, they really want to be able to uh, kind of uh, 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 help support their gut health um, uh, with more probiotic types of, of foods. But when kids start to eat, they need fiber, which is a prebiotic that comes from plant-based foods. Do you need to have like ultra, you know, ground up food? Uh, you know, honestly, some of the tradition cultures, traditional cultures knew it best. Essentially, you take whatever the adults are eating and you just put it into a grinder and you mill it. And then it turns out just like baby food. And the babies love that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you're giving them good fiber. Now, that's, of course, so long as the grownups are eating good food as well. Right. So this is why, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, it is absolutely critical for us to think about the family unit that parents are not only responsible for, um, you know, health and safety by preventing, you know, them from sticking a paperclip in an electric socket. But they really need to start right away by making sure that their gut bacteria and gut health and diet is as healthy as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what we teach them when they're younger, it, it sets the stage for their whole lives. So you have said, and I quote, when I think about food and health and disease fighting, it's more than just about the food. It's about how your body responds. So can you talk a little bit more about that and what you mean by that? Yeah. So I'm a physician, internal medicine. And that means that I take care of um, young and old, men and women, kids, uh, uh, and older and older people. And I, I'm also taking, uh, taking care of people who are healthy and sick. And my goal is always to get back people back to health and wellness, not just chasing disease. And so one of the things that I started studying 25 years ago was how does the body maintain health? Why are we healthy? Or maybe another question is, why don't we get sick more often? And it turns out that we don't get sick more often because our bodies are hardwired with these incredible health defense systems. And I write about five of them in my book, Eat to Be Disease. There's our circulation or angiogenesis, how our body grows and keeps blood vessels because we need to circulate blood and oxygen and nutrients to all of our organs. We've got stem cells that regenerate us and heal us from the inside out. The second defense system. Third, our microbiome, which we've been talking about uh, today. Fourth is our DNA, which is much more than a, um, a genetic code. It actually protects us from harms from the environment so that our, our genetics are not damaged. And then finally, our immune system, which is super powerful and tied to our microbiome and these other defenses as well. When these five health defense systems are firing on all cylinders, um, uh, we're healthy. And when they're weakened, we become unhealthy. And when we age, they our defenses start to weaken as well. But here's the amazing thing, uh, Julie. When we put food in our mouth, we're either turning on and supporting and activating or we're weakening and destroying those bodies' health defenses. So the choices that we make either boost our health or take it down. And that's what I mean uh, about thinking about food and health. It's not just about the food. There's no such thing as a single magic bullet, silver bullet, superfood, super supplement. That's marketing, you know. Yeah. Um, I, you know, companies that are trying to sell their things, they're trying to make them seem like they're the best thing since sliced bread. 
you know, that's what companies should be doing. They're selling their product. But the reality is, as a doctor, what I tell people is that, you know, there's our body um, has is hardwired to respond to food. What we put into it is, is is important, but how our body responds to what we put into it is where the real answers are when it comes to food and health. Everything from um, uh, our ability to resist cancer, uh, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, uh, dementia, you name it, it. A lot has to do with our body's health uh, defenses. So what I really think is important is that we um, uh, become woke to this idea that when we make a choice about what to eat, we are uh, uh, truly uh, able to be mindful of activating our health defenses. And when we eat something that's not so good for us, you just got to realize, you know, it's, it's even if it tastes good um, or even if you might covet it, the reality is it might take your health defenses down. So if you do that, you better boost it back up later on. Yeah, great point. So Dr. Lee, with that, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about ways for parents to boost their kids' gut health. As a busy working mom of two trying to get dinner on the table every night, I had thought about meal planning, but it always seemed way too time consuming and difficult. Yet a few months ago, I discovered the Dinner Daily and it made getting a healthy and delicious dinner on the table so much easier. The Dinner Daily isn't a meal kit, but a personalized dinner planning service that sends you meal plans and an organized grocery shopping list built around your food preferences, dietary needs, and family size. And it's the only service that uses your grocery store's weekly specials to help you save money, up to $1,200 a year or more. The Dinner Daily is available for 16,000 grocery stores across the country, and they offer one-click ordering at Kroger stores nationwide and select stop-and-shop stores. Whether you're gluten-free, vegetarian, or have picky eaters, I know you'll love the recipes. My kids are fans of their taco salad and tomato and mozzarella fish. The Dinner Daily not only saves you money on your grocery bill, but new members get two weeks free, and right now, you can try it for 15% off with the code HEALTH15. Just go to thedinnerdaily.com and use code HEALTH15. And now let's get back to this week's episode of Food Issues. Great. So in our last segment, we were talking about the power of food and how our body responds to food. So Dr. Lee, why don't you go ahead and tell me for all of us, but particularly for parents who want to boost their kids' immune system and their gut health, what are some ideas for for them to do that from, you know, when they're in utero, we talked a little bit about this, but um, until, you know, they've left our our homes. What a great question, Julie. So, so I want to start before the beginning. <laughs> so, so, I would say uh, when uh, a couple is expecting their first child, they should realize that all nine months is a, per- is a period where they're actually already taking care of their baby and their gut and their health defenses uh, from the, uh, and their microbiome really from the get-go. So moms should eat healthy and dads who want, and, and moms who are eating together should make sure that they start developing that pattern um, of, of healthy eating. It's a, you know, it's the one chance where you, you would be really motivated to change your behavior. Um, and you're really paying it forward on a generational basis. So if you get a good start, the, the baby's going to get a good start when they come out. Um, if possible, vaginal birth, if C-section, then work with your, um, uh, pediatrician, uh, to, to try to get that gut microbiome uh, back into shape. What's amazing today is that you can actually measure your gut microbiome. There are tests that can be done to really um, assess it. They're not perfect tests yet, but they're really uh, a way of actually checking it out. And I think doctors are going to be using this more in the future. Uh, I think that um, uh, 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 breastfeeding is really important, um, obviously. Uh, and, and if you can breastfeed instead of formula feed, that would be really, really important. Part of that, by the way, is um, making sure the mom has good support mm-hmm. um, uh, for and, and maybe a lactation consultant because sometimes some women have a hard time breastfeeding and then they get um, they get discouraged from it. But no, that's really really important to get to see if you can get that right. So worth it. Um, I think when when a child actually is starting to eat, um, I would say go for the most natural whole foods as possible. And mom and dad should be eating it too. 
um, uh, mostly plant-based, but you know, you can have animal proteins or whatever. It's fine. Be careful of saturated fats over salts and preservatives, avoid, um, ultra processed foods and, you know, cook fresh. And what I would say is whatever mom and dad are eating, grind it up in a mill, uh, and, and feed it to the baby. And, you know, babies are remarkably resilient. So, you know, the old, this old kind of paranoia, oh, it's going to be too spicy. It's going to be too salty. Don't worry about it. They'll, they'll, it'll act, you're training their palate. And as long as you're getting them good material to feed their baby's microbiome, you're doing a good thing. Um, uh, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, kids sometimes get sick. Uh, I would say as parents, just be on the alert that while antibiotics can be life-saving for children and sometimes must be used, that every time a baby gets or child gets an antibiotic by their pediatrician, um, you're going to have to rebuild back that microbiome because that, that antibiotic is going to wipe out some good bacteria. Now you better feed the, that, uh, your child um, you know, prebiotics and, and probiotic foods too, by the way, we didn't talk about yet. Mm-hmm. Probiotic foods are like yogurt and um, other types of uh, um, uh, fermented foods, um, uh, uh, kefir, yogurt. You know, There's some stronger foods like sauerkraut and kimchi. Um, those are not commonly... Um, eaten in America, but you know, kimchi is sort of like the national dish, staple food of of Korea. Uh, uh, sauerkraut's just preserved cabbage. Uh, yogurt is eaten in you know around the world, and it's a great way to get healthy uh, bacteria uh, in. Um, I would also uh, say, um, don't be too uh, overly self conscious about. Uh, cleanliness. You know, mm-hmm. we used to sort of make sure everybody don't play in the dirt, don't touch the the dust on the floor. You know, honestly, I think kids are designed to be challenged, and and you want to train the immune system. And if they eat a little dirt, you know, it's not gonna, it's probably not gonna harm them. Uh, uh, I mean, you don't want to eat the dirt where the dog's been playing, but but you know, you want to you you want to. I think you know, let them engage with the world. Um, that is also helping to build their bacteria, their ecosystem. Uh, uh, I think that's really, really important. We also know, by the way, that um, now this is less of a problem for babies because babies like uh, sleep by themselves. But as they get older, you know, getting good sleep habits are really important because guess what? When we're sleeping, our bacteria are also re um, kind of like readjusting themselves. Um, they're, they're, they're um, kind of finding their balance uh, at, at night. So getting good quality sleep is really important and not being too stressed out and managing stress is also important. A little stress is obviously probably health, healthy uh, for, the, for the body overall, but too much stress, um, actually uh, the catecholamines, you know, the stress hormones from the brain, they can kind of do a number on your gut bacteria uh, as well. Um, I would say, because, you know, I have studied food and health, uh, and I think that's so important. What I would say is that really, really, when it comes to gut health, really, really, really try to avoid those foods that we know harm your gut bacteria, whether you're a kid or adult. Um, And I'll underscore this again. You know, um, uh, it's not about uh, just the food. It's about how your body responds to you put in it. And while I'm all about what foods we can lean into that are healthy for us, that can build up and activate our health defenses. I will tell you when it comes to gut health, there are a few things that are just not good for your gut bacteria. What are they? Artificial sweeteners. Really bad. I mean, you know, uh, our gut bacteria actually helps us control our blood sugar and our metabolism. And when you eat artificial sweeteners, um, like in a diet soda, for example, the idea is you don't want too many calories. You don't want to actually get fat. You don't want to actually have too much sugar running on. Ironically, the artificial sweeteners essentially poison the gut bacteria. The gut bacteria can't do their job. Your blood sugars actually rise. Your blood lipids, your cholesterol rises. You actually, people actually gain weight and they lose control over their metabolism by eating artificial sweeteners. So the only thing you get is a sweet hit without a lot of, 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 um, uh, of calories. Um, but it, it, you really do a number. You blackjack your, your gut microbiome. So that's not good. Um, eating um, a lot of processed meat lunch meats, preserved meats, particularly ones that, you know, have a lot of, of, um, uh, of chemicals. In right. Them, does a really big number. 
uh, on your, uh, like that basically is like the pepper spray against your mi- microbiome. You, they're, they're not going to be happy when you do it. And I'm not saying, you know, like if you eat a, a slice of pepperoni pizza every now and then, like, you know, that you're not, you're not, you know, you're not going to be, um, you're not going to the hospital because of that. But I'm just saying that if you're aware that every now and then, if you do it, you, you really need to build your gut bacteria back up. That's your responsibility. Everyone makes their own decision and parents can help their kids by, I mean, think about it. Like how many of us grew up, you know, with parents packing lunch meat, right. you know, in a sandwich, that's not a good idea. Um, uh, you know, uh, there, there are healthier ways of actually approaching, um, packing a lunch for kids, which is, you know, starting with plant-based foods. And if you're going to have, um, meats, uh, uh, you know, uh, roast a piece of chicken, uh, or something like that to, to, uh, to, to put into a sandwich. Um, uh, by the way, a whole grain bread in a sandwich also, uh, provides, uh, fiber, uh, and, and bioactives for your microbiome. So little choices can make a, um, a big difference. And, uh, uh, other things that I think, you know, as we get older that are not good for our, uh, microbiome, if we have, if too much sugar, also as not good for uh, the microbiome, too much fat, ultra fatty foods, also not good for the micro microbiome. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, the other thing that's really interesting is that being, is staying active is important because being a couch potato also is not good for the microbiome. Our bacteria need us to work out for them. Uh, you know, they, they can't put on a pair of shoes and run, run for us. So we got to run for them. When, when we exercise, it actually uh, um, helps our microbiome uh, stay healthier as well. So, you know, and that's why exercise is also good for kids. You know, right. you don't want kids that are just sitting in front of a screen all day long. Get them outside, you know, get them running around. That's what kids want to do anyway. Uh, so, you know, a lot of these societal things that we've invented for ourselves. I mentioned at the beginning, like we are evolved. We're, we're this giant experiment. We invent technologies, and invent foods. We feed and make ourselves, you know, uh, participate uh, with the technology. Like we're, we're evolving. Hum- humans are evolving themselves. But we, we know that there are there are things that we should be doing to protect our, our health and protect, making sure we're protecting our gut health and our gut bacteria. My, our microbiome is one of them. Right. And so, you know, in this age of COVID, it brings up an interesting conversation about cleanliness and all these other things, right? So kids are snacking more. They're definitely less sedentary, whether they're virtual learning or not during this age of COVID. And we're, we're telling them to wash their hands a lot more. So do you think that that will ultimately have an effect on our, on our immunity? Wow. That is a really provocative question. So <laughs> we're, we're, um, we are telling everybody to use hand sanitizers, right? Yeah. 70% alcohol. We're killing all the bacteria in our, right. our hands. We are being ultra careful. We're touching now. Right. Uh, and, um, uh, washing our hands a lot. Uh, it's a good question. I, you know, I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen. And, yeah. um, I will tell you that, Probably by washing our hands, um, we're probably less likely to have food poisoning and other types of toxins. I mean, hand washing was one of the big breakthroughs in modern medicine. I don't know if you know the story, Julie, about you know how hand washing uh, became so important. But basically, like in the 1800s, people were doctors were delivering babies basically with their bare hands, um, and they never washed their hands. And so they would deliver a baby and the mom would get sick and, or have a problem and the, there would be contamination bacteria, uh, uh, diseased bacteria on their doctor's hand. Then they would go right down to the delivery room, deliver with bare hands the next baby and the mom, that mom would get sick from the doctor. The doctor was giving the mom bacteria and so on and so forth. And like maternal mor- m- mortality among pregnant women, women giving birth was huge. And the babies would also die. Wow. Turns out that, that one, one move, which was hand washing between deliveries could make all the difference in the world. And it like immediately dropped down the mortality rate by like 60 per 70%. So, uh, uh, so hand washing isn't bad. It's good. And I think that there's so much that we're, we're clawing our way out of, of this pandemic. And so um, I think keep washing your hands, keep using hand sanitizers, keep masking, keep social distancing. Um, you know, we're, we're, we are bending over backwards for one virus, but you raised a really good provocative point in, in, uh, kind of kowtowing to this virus and kind of shielding ourselves from it. Is there anything else that we're maybe not realizing we're doing 
that might alter our microbiome. That is a that that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, because we're all at home, and and there's you know studies have shown that kids are definitely snacking more, and they're they're basically sitting on devices all day. So um, it'll be interesting to see. So one final question for you is, you know, in our family, we actually I try to do some fermented foods with my kids. I mean, they they do eat yogurt. I've tried to get them; they they enjoy miso. I've tried to um, get them to eat kimchi. They won't have any any of it, um, but they will do fermented pickles. But what about probiotics? Should kids be taking probiotics every day? You know, the jury is out on that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say if you are able to get your kids to eat the things that you just described and footnote for you that uh, for kimchi, try making some fried rice kimchi. Okay. Introduce a little bit of kimchi into the fried rice. It'll flavor it. It doesn't look quite as overwhelming as kimchi does to some people and the flavor is okay. more mild. Okay. That's a way of sneaking it in. Great. Uh, and there's some great recipes online. Um, uh, I, one of my favorite things to make, actually. Uh, but, uh, um, uh, you know, the, so feed the kids, you know, plant-based foods, veg, fruits, vegetables, um, and yogurt, um, and whatever, you know, whatever you can sneak in, I think is, is really great. Um, uh, probiotics. Uh, oh, by the way, you know, even small amounts of cheese. Uh-huh. actually have also our probiotic foods. So Parmigiano-Reggiano is actually made with lactobacillus as a starter bacteria. Um, uh, even sourdough bread, by the way, right. um, is made with lactobacillus as the starter. And, uh, and, you, and you say, well, when you bake the bread, aren't you going to kill the bacteria? Absolutely. But research has shown that even when the bacteria is dead, fallen into pieces, those fragments still actually have beneficial uh, functions for your body. They sort of act like the, the remnants of the, pro, of the bacteria. Um, so I don't think we have figured out what is the perfect probiotic formula yet because we're just scratching the tip of our knowledge of, of what, healthy, what defines a good, healthy ba- gut bacteria. Um, uh, what, what are they? Most of the probiotics out there, um, you know, I think, they, they make an honest attempt at introducing some of the bacteria that have been good for you. There was one study that actually showed that, you know, giving probiotics after a round of antibiotics actually um, delayed the, the recovery of the microbiome. Um, but, you know, that was a research study. So we don't really know um, how to do this perfectly. Uh, but I, I will tell you, like, there is a probiotic I did research on, and, and it's one of those lactobacillus um, uh, organisms, bacteria, healthy bacteria. It's called Lactobacillus ruteri, R-E-U-T-E-R-I. I take it myself every day. Why? Because I did the research on it. And this one single bacteria, now it's, there's 39 trillion. So there's, it's, I'm sure this isn't the magic bullet, but I, I've done so much research on it and I've read so much about, I've seen the data that I believe that it can be helpful. Um, this one bacteria, uh, actually not only is good for gut health, it can help you heal up better. Uh, wound healing it in, in research labs, it decreases the uh, risk for developing um, colon cancers and breast cancers. So now this is in animals, but you fed, they, we fed them, the animals, the probiotic in their drinking water. And, and then colon cancers had difficulty growing. Breast tumors couldn't grow. So it's really remarkable um, to, to see that. And it used to be found in yogurt, lactobacillus ruderi is found in some yogurts. It's found in Parmesan cheese. <clears throat> and uh, uh, and uh, some of the studies also show that it actually can make your hair shinier and your skin um, a little bit more uh, uh, vibrant. So, right. um, so I take that one. Oh, one last thing that I discovered about this bacteria. It actually um, fights the bacteria in your mouth, if you chew it, that actually cause cavities. Okay, that's great. So that's every a, parent's going to go out and get that. <laughs> well, you know, so so I again, like I'm, uh, I, I I'm sort of preface this whole thing by saying the jury's out, right? And, and we don't know there's like a, a perfect probiotic or recommendations for kids to take probiotics. Good healthy diets and good lifestyle, you know, are are probably the best way to do it. Um, but you know, I I, I don't I, I wouldn't fault a parent for going out to give their kid a probiotic. Uh-huh. Um, if they felt like it, um, just go for a reputable um, source, you know, look up to make sure that um, 
it doesn't have any complaints online, the kind of thing. Right. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Lee, thank you so much for all of this great information about gut health and immunity and COVID. Where can listeners go to get more information about these food issues and about you? Well, they, um, you know, first of all, I wrote a book uh, that's a New York Times bestseller called Eat to Beat Disease, The New Science of How Your Body Can Heal Itself. And a lot of what we talked about with a gut microbiome, immunity um, is all in there. And I've got more than 200 foods, mo- most of which people love to eat anyway, um, that are listed in the book along with recipes. So you can buy my book, Eat to Beat Disease, anywhere books are sold. Um, but you can also follow me because, you know, I'm continuously um, uh, putting out information uh, about the latest findings about COVID, about immunity, about gut health, about our health defense systems online. And they can find me on my website at www.drwilliamlee. That's drwilliamlee.com, drwilliamlee.com. Or follow me on social at, uh, at drwilliamlee, drwilliamlee.li. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook. And, um, would love to actually, you know, hear from your audience and and uh, get people involved. What I'm trying to do is to really start this um, whole movement where people are realizing that they do have control health. Their health is in their hands. And I think the last year during a pandemic taught us more than this more than anything else. Hospitals and doctors can't always do stuff for you. In fact, they can't even do much for you unless you're really sick. That's what we learned from the pandemic. But every single day in your kitchen, in your pantry, in your medicine, you know, in your your own bathroom medicine cabinet, that's where healthcare um, can actually begin in your own home three times a day. And as we've all gotten to know our our kitchens better over the last year, now's the perfect time to keep yourselves healthier if you're parents and use that opportunity to um, help keep your kids healthier and get those good habits that they're going to take with them for the rest of their lives. We will definitely uh, link to your book in the show notes and any of the resources that we talked about during this time. Thank you again for your time. My pleasure. I hope you love that conversation with Dr. William Lee as much as I did. And I want to thank our sponsor, The Dinner Daily, and remind you to head on over to thedinnerdaily.com and use code HEALTH15 to get 15% off. I'm Julie Revelon, and thank you for listening to Food Issues. Make sure you subscribe so you won't miss any of the episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love it if you could please take a second to leave a review and a rating. You can connect with me on julierevelon.com and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.